Good morning, everybody. I'm happy to be with you today. Let's start with a word of prayer, okay? Lord, I feel it necessary to declare that your word says that we've been crucified with you. And it's no longer us that live, but you that live in us. I thank you that that's true. I thank you that as we pick up the word together and look at it, you give us knowledge and understanding and a place in our heart for it to dwell, for it to become truth that changes how we live, changes how we see ourselves and how we see you. So I pray that your spirit would come and fall on the words that have been written and said and would use it for a purpose far greater than we can hope or imagine or determine on our own. Be glorified by what's said. Use it to change lives, to thwart the attacks of the enemy, and to help us to walk in further truth. Amen. Two years ago, we got to go to Africa. And we went to Rwanda, which, if you haven't been, is this is another plug. It's so beautiful. And the people are lovely and welcoming. And, and you feel Rwanda is amazing. Um, it felt so much like home. It was strange. Like, how does, how does across the world feel like home? Yes, the spirit connects us and unifies us. But the people were just so loving and we had the joy of not only going to Rwanda, but since we were in Africa, we thought, let's just swing around to the Congo on the way home, uh, where my sister lives. So we got to do a double shot, and, uh, and boy, when we landed in Congo, uh, we, we knew we weren't in Rwanda anymore. Um, and what I mean by that is, the atmosphere was, was just different. And, and it seemed like there was more people. It seemed like there was more chaos. It seemed like there was more uncertainty. And, and it was overwhelming. It was, it was simply overwhelming. That was until DJ came and helped us out. See, DJ is my sister's guy. Like, he, he kind of does everything for them. Uh, he drives them around. He he takes care of uh, paperwork for them, administrating stuff for them. And amongst the chaos of the Congo airport, DJ came and and kind of took us along, took us under his wing. He knew where to go. He knew who to talk to. He knew where to get our bags. He, in fact, he got our bags for us. And then on the flip side of that was leaving Congo, he just whisked us through. It was the craziest thing. Instead of having to uh, talk to all sorts of people and go through all these checks, he whisked, he whisked, it was the craziest thing. He just took us along and our whole thought was, let's just follow DJ and we're going to get on the plane and it's going to be good. And that's exactly what happened. You see, in the busy chaotic airport we need somebody to come alongside of us and to show us the way to keep us from the troubles the potential issues of a foreign airport that we knew nothing about and that was DJ for us I'm always going to be grateful for DJ and what I want to talk to you about today is simply the truth that we are kept by Jesus Christ and we are kept for Jesus Christ. That's the word today. So we're going to be in the book of Jude. It's 25 verses, so we're going to be all around, but it's 25 verses. We're going to be okay. Jude, the brother of Jesus and the brother of James. You'll notice if you look at the beginning of Jude, this is just a little side stuff. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. He doesn't claim brotherhood to Jesus. He claims Jesus as Lord. That's not actually on the screen, but 
to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. Some versions say kept by Jesus Christ. Both are infinitely true. And see, Jude says in the beginning of his book, you know, brothers and sisters, I actually was hoping to talk to you about our common faith. But issues have arised in the church and I have to change my message for you. And the issues of the book of Jude all revolve around false teachers that have risen up among the brothers and sisters. So these are false teachers. This is deception in the congregation. Jude has some tough words for them, calling them fruitless trees in late autumn. If a tree doesn't have fruit in late autumn, there's a problem. Twice dead, uprooted. Wild waves of the sea casting up their foam of their own shame. Wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. Jude wasn't one to sugarcoat the truth. He wasn't one to hold back because he understood the seriousness of deception among the people. And I think we can all agree that deception can be one of the least likely things to spot in our life. And then all of a sudden we look back and we say, boy, I've been living this life for six months and look at all the damage it's done. And I didn't know. It can do that. It's dangerous. What we believe is dangerous. It's also glorious. Jesus speaks of the danger of deception by saying in Matthew 24, but for the sake of the elect, these days, the final days, will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false teachers and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. So Jesus says in the final days, Deception is going to be a real big problem. That could have the power to stray many of his followers. Deception's a big deal. And that's not just in the church. Deception's in our world. And it's, it's subtle. It's identity stuff. It's cultural stuff. What are we supposed to look like? What kind of job are we supposed to do? What kind of roles are we supposed to have in our family? How should we lead our home? How should we train our children? Gender deceptions, identity deceptions, importance deceptions, they're all around us. It's not just in the church. These deceptions have the power to split churches, to end marriages, to fracture relationships, to break up businesses, and to affect our eternity forever. Wow, harsh words about deception. It's, you know, it's true. It's all around us like we felt overwhelmed by the airport in Congo. Unknown, overtaken. But I actually don't want to land completely on deception today. Because the truth of the matter is, Christ hasn't left us victims of the deception around us. This is how Jude ends the letter. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. There's keep again. So we're kept for Jesus Christ. And now we see we're kept by Jesus Christ. From the deception around us. And from all of the pitfalls of life. So what I want to look at for the rest of our time together is if it's true that we're kept by Jesus, what does that tell us about him and how does that help us through all the trials that we're going to go through? Firstly, I want to say this. 
being kept by Jesus tells us he is our sustaining power through struggle and failure. You know, one of the easiest things to do when we fall, when we fail, when our flesh takes over, when we're struggling, is now the lies start pouring in. We're weak, we're vulnerable. This is the story of Peter and Jesus. Right before Jesus goes to the cross, he says in Luke 22, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And here's the real important part. And when you have turned again, he's already telling him what's going to happen. He says, Peter, you will fall. When you have turned again means that's not the end of the story. Strengthen your brothers. One thing that's important to know when we talk about Jesus keeping us is the important distinction that he doesn't keep us from, he keeps us through. Okay? This is important. Because what's going to happen is we're going to leave today and we're going to say, why didn't you keep me from that fender bender? Why didn't you keep me from that fight with my wife? Why didn't you keep me from the news that my cousin is sick? I thought you were going to keep me. But the beauty, the beauty of Jesus keeping us is he keeps us in and through those things. He will take us through it. Doesn't mean it might not leave a mark on its way. Okay? That's, that's really important. So let's go back with that in mind. You know, if anyone had the chance to fall away from their faith by struggle and failure, it was Peter. Think of the next days, the things that would have been rolling through his mind after he sat there saying, What have I done? What have I done? I boasted the loudest that I would never give up the Lord. And when it was game time, I faltered. Perhaps he was thinking to himself, you know, I am a failure. Perhaps he was thinking, maybe the stuff that happened those three years we did ministry wasn't quite as real as I thought it was. Perhaps he was thinking, I am just a fisherman after all. What was that rock talk? I am just a fisherman. Think of the damage in those thoughts. When you have turned again, Strengthen your brothers. Jesus already knew he was going to take them through it. He already knew. He was interceding for him. I have prayed for you. He does that still. He's still interceding that we would get through it. Even Jude, the brother of Jesus, is documented in saying the brothers didn't believe in him. John 7, the brothers did not believe Jesus was the Christ. And they mocked him, saying, you should go do miracles in front of all those people so that they can believe in you because aren't you wanting attention? If you want attention, you should go do that. And here's Jude writing 25 verses of gold. His brother, his Lord, kept him. And Jesus walks with us every step of the way. Who's taking notes today? Let's write this down. Jesus is not afraid to get his hands dirty. Why don't you write that down? Jesus is not afraid to get his hands dirty in your life. Isn't that true? You know, if he would, he would have never died on the cross. Ever, ever, ever. That was real dirty. 
wouldn't have done it. He wouldn't have taken all the lashes. He wouldn't have been the only perfect man to die a thief's death. Wouldn't have done it. And Christ is walking through us, every, with us, sorry, every step of the way. And point two answers the why. Why is Christ taking us through and keeping us through our struggles? And it's this. He keeps us because of his beautiful design for an eternal relationship with him. That's why. So why would he go through all the trouble? A couple of reasons. The first is, simply, he really wants us to be there. Real simple. And the second is this. He sees us not just for the current, where we are today, but for the future where we will be tomorrow, where we will be eternal. He sees it all. This is really exciting. Jude one twenty four. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, why? To present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. There is your answer. We are preserved and sustained and kept to be perfectly displayed in glory as the grandest trophy he will ever receive. It is us. He keeps us for his own perfect reward. That's awesome. First Peter 1, 4-5, to an inheritance, here's Peter agreeing, Lots of coherency that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Write this down. Jesus is in it for the long haul. Is that true? Jesus is in it for the long haul. It's true. You know, we bought a house uh, in October. And uh, there's a lot of changes that need to happen on that house. Some of which we've already done. Um, We could have looked at the house and said, oh. You ever watch those... Um, you know, HGTV shows where people are like looking at all these houses and you have to hear all their comments and, oh man, I hate that. But they're like, that's really dated. That's really dated. That's really dated. I, I, don't, I don't do that. I don't, I, I don't dig that dated decor. They get all bent out of shape about the house. They can't get past it. Or they have these little Pet things where, now I'm getting off track, but where's the man cave? I, 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 I had to have the man cave. So what do you not like about the house? There's no man cave. You know, we didn't do that because we knew going into buying the house, we're looking down the road. We're not looking at today. We're looking down the road. What could this house become? What could this house be for our son? What could this house be for when we're getting a little older and we want to put our feet up? We don't know. But we weren't looking at what was just in front of us. We probably wouldn't have bought it then. Although the yard's pretty cool. It's close to Darien. But I see you, man. But we probably wouldn't have done it. And see, this is Jesus in a perfectly redeemed manner. And he doesn't just look at what's to come. He's still looking very closely at who we are today. And he's working with us and he's keeping us and he's holding us close to himself. For today and for tomorrow, looking ahead for perfect eternity with him as our perfect trophy for him.
everyone will know when you get to heaven who got you there. Everyone's going to know. There'll be no debating credit when you get there. That's all going to be done. There's going to be no one standing up saying, I had a role. That was me. I went for coffee with him. Now, that's all done. That's all going to be done. Point number three. That Jesus keeps us shows how much he loves us. Simply that. We can all agree you don't keep something that you don't think much of. To keep something, to preserve something, to hold something close to yourself speaks of value and worth. And worth is given by how the people around it deal with it. Look at eBay. Just make a big bid and somebody else makes a bigger bid. And that very thing might not be worth $2,000, which it ended up being. But the cost was determined by the people wanting it. When's the last time you kept an old shoe? There wasn't even two of them. It was just one. When's the last time you kept it? Never. It doesn't mean anything. It's not worth anything. Now, what would happen if you did? What would people ask you? They'd say, what's so special about that shoe? What? It's old, it's gross, and there's only one of them. Your keeping it says something about the shoe. Your keeping it speaks of volumes of worth that you hold for it. This is a huge part of Jesus keeping us. He's not just taking the people that make it. He's keeping people who without him wouldn't. Think of the value that speaks to your life. He doesn't keep junk. Especially with all the stuff we make him do for us in our fallen natures. The value that that speaks of. This isn't a new message for him. Jude's not saying this for the first time. This was God's prayer to Moses to pray that Aaron, his brother, would give to the Israelites, saying in Numbers, the Lord bless you and keep you. This is one of Jesus' final prayers in John 17. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that, we may, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. This is the heart of Jesus for his people. It's not a new idea. All throughout the story, this is God's heart for us, that his people would be kept safe and with him. But he didn't just say it. Jesus didn't just say it. It wasn't just good words. He came out and he did it when he came as the perfect man, sinless in every way, dying for a people that ultimately had rejected him time and time again. He showed us that. You see, showing us is important. Showing us is important. Because where would you be if you just talked about stuff? If you just all the time talked about stuff? Where would my wife and I be if I had always just said to her, Helga, I want to marry you. I want to marry you. You and I should get married sometime. That'd be awesome. We should do that. Let's, let's, let's press pause on that. Maybe we'll come back to it. Let's get some, something to eat first. And then later you say the same thing. You can't stop at just saying something. 
You had to go out there and do it. You had to go out there and get the ring. You had to go out there and find the location. Get on one knee. Ask her to be your wife. You had to, you had to do something about it. And Jesus wasn't just talking. I am keeping you. I am keeping you. He said, I am keeping you. Now let me show you how that looks. And he went out and he did it. Fourthly, and this is so important. This is so important. His protective presence, when he keeps us, he shows us his protective presence and perspective in our times of suffering. In the food industry, there's what's called a danger zone. And the danger zone is anything above four degrees, and I think anything below 60 or something like that. So basically, room temperature is very dangerous for food. It's where the most bacteria can grow. Who's having steak this at lunch? Anybody? No? Okay. Wow. Um, that was good. Suffering is a danger zone for deception, for false teachers, and for our beliefs to get all scattered. Because we're weak, we're hurting, we're confused, we're ungrounded. A couple of truths about suffering. The first is, if you're here right now, you know a little bit or a lot of bit about suffering. Every single one of you. And the second truth, which I've already sort of said, is you know that suffering is a perfect opportunity for deep lessons. And they're not all good lessons. Right? In our pain and suffering, there is more than any other time opportunities for the rock-solid truth of God to come or for lies of the enemy to come. Right? Troy's going to give me an amen when I say this. Now he knows. Okay, write this down, everyone. Everything grows better in tilled soil. Amen? Amen. <laughs> we didn't plan that. Um, everything grows better in tilled soil. Plants grow better. Weeds grow better. Do you guys ever see when somebody gets a big load of topsoil on their yard? And then don't do anything with it. And you drive by and you're like, dude, that's going to go bad. It's infested with weeds now. Because it's a perfect breeding ground to catch every little weed in the air. No resistance. This is our life. In pain. Think with me for a moment. An answer between you and the Lord if this is true. We all have ample memories where we've hurt. Where we've gone through the dark night of the soul. Where we felt abandoned by the Lord. Where we haven't seen a way out. We all have that. Every single one of us has it. And just think back with you and the Lord. Was the end result that you were more deceived at the end? Or was the end result that the shoulders that Christ said were strong did not falter? What's the truth? And we will not see that in clear sailing. We're not going to see it. Our suffering gives us a beautiful painful opportunity to fall on the Lord and to walk out saying he can take it I don't just know I've lived it now that's what our suffering says his word is true 
His word is true. And when we suffer, we get to live that truth. Not just knowing it, but we walk out the other side saying, I don't need to debate. I've lived it. Right? A couple of ways for us to get through suffering. Before I say that, write this down. I don't know why I had all these write these downs, but I did. And I like them, so... But you should write this down. <laughs> he is most faithful when we are most fragile. Is that true? Yeah. That's true. Yeah. A couple of ways that we can walk through suffering. Guarding ourselves, trusting the Lord as He takes us through it, not around it. The first is we can look ahead, Romans 8.18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And secondly, Paul speaks of the keeping power of Jesus through our circumstances. Paul knew a lot about being kept by the Lord. I mean, that guy went for prison, it seemed like, for fun. And got beat, what seemed like, for fun. Because uh, it happens so often. And the words of Jesus saying, I'll sh- I'm going to show him how much he has to suffer for my glory. And that came true a lot for Paul. But the story of his... How do you say the things he says in those circumstances... I often, just to bring up my house again, look at my basement and I say, if I'm ever going to preach from the prison letters, I'm going to do all my prep in my basement. (laughs) Right? Two days and I'm ready. And that's nothing compared to what Paul went through. And I'm getting bummed just thinking about my basement. Philippians 4.12, For I know how to be brought low, oh, he knew, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, he went through them all. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. A little pet peeve of mine is, is, is everybody uses, I can do all things through him who strengthens me to talk about all the great things they can do. That's not what it means. It means God's going to call me to some terrible stuff. And not one of them is going to overtake me. That's what it means. Boy, did Paul know that. And there is a way for us to live this out. We, we think, and it's true, that this is all the Lord. And ultimately it is. But we have a role to play in being kept by the Lord. We have a role. You know, I made an assumption. <laughs> I made a few assumptions at the first service. Um, but there's this little superhero in Nepal called a Sherpa. And one of the Sherpa's main source of income is to take Westerners up and down Mount Everest, which is the most dangerous mountain to climb. I think two years ago, like 14 people died on it or something like that. And You see, the Sherpa which are local people, they know the mountain, they respect the mountain. And they're, because they've lived in that altitude, generation after generation after generation, they, they're so acclimatized to life on Everest. They've paved the way for Westerners to go up and down. And Westerners still can't go up and down. They've put in the ropes, they've put in the holds, they set up the camps, they give the food. They make it possible to go up the mountain. 
But does the climber have a role? Yeah, the climber has a role. What if the climber were to say, thank you for those ropes. Thank you for your knowledge. Thank you that you're genetically engineered to go up and down this mountain and not feel it. But I'm going to find my own way. They can't even make it up often on the ropes. So the climber has a role. In this illustration, maybe it's straightforward. In this illustration, Christ has been our Sherpa leading us up the mountain. But we have a role to climb with him, to use his holds, to use his ropes, to let him take care of us. We have a role. Here are some things as applications for our role. If you want to turn to Jude 1, 20 to 23, we're going to get all our applications from there. And it says this. But to you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt, saving others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Keeping ourselves in the love of God is like the mountaineer keeping up and holding on with the Sherpa. And God has kept us Right from the beginning, through creation, even in the fall, he's kept us. Even as a people of Israel, his chosen people, as time and time again they turn their back on him, he's kept them. He kept us more and more by sending Jesus, his son, and he keeps us still. The first thing that we can do to keep ourselves in the love of God is this. And it comes right before uh, verse 21. It says, Building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. There's a couple important notes in building up our faith. The first is to believe. Jude 1.5 says, uh, Jesus who saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe so to connect that they were not sustained because they didn't believe so to keep ourselves in the faith is to ensure we are believing and this is part of the christian walk to maintain our faith in jesus secondly it's remembering and living out the truth preaching that to ourselves Philippians 4, verse 8 and 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Why? Practice these things and the God of peace, the God who sustains, will be with you. So we believe we consider and we lean on the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit of truth, that's pretty helpful with all the deception going on, that the Spirit of truth truth would help us. It wasn't an accident it was called the Spirit of truth. And the Spirit of truth takes everything we've welled up inside of us and has the full data right in front of him. And at a moment's notice, he will bring these things out that we can fight our deceptions. We can fight the things around us. We can fight against our circumstances. Right? The spirit of truth brings all truth to mind when we need it. We believe the right things. We consider the right things. And we lean on the Holy Spirit. And in that, we're building our faith and trusting the Holy Spirit.
I'll give you a couple more practical ones. Secondly, we need to wait on the mercy of Jesus Christ. And to me, this simply means abiding in the vine. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm going to fill this in a little bit more. You see, at the first service, we talked about bacon and and who's responsible in the whole bacon scenario for making it delicious bacon. And I'm going to to fill in a little bit of this. Okay? But I want you to think about this. Who gets the credit or what gets the credit for the end result of bacon? Is it the pork meat or is it the salt brine? What get, what's responsible for the final product? What happens to bacon without the salt brine? Nothing good. It gets weird, let me tell you. And you know, just to take the illustration one step further... There are two steps to bacon. Bacon's a perfect illustration because everyone's hearing you when you start talking about bacon. Okay? There's two steps to making bacon. There's the brine step and there's the smoking step. There's some unsavory steps before that, but we can talk about that later. Okay, so step two is bacon goes in the fire or really hot smoke. But what happens before that? It sits overnight in a preserver. In a salt mixture. It sits in there overnight. Or longer. And that salt keeps it from the fire. And keeps it lasting past the fire. From apart from me, you can do nothing. Abiding in the vine. Third thing we can do is we can have mercy on the doubters. Mercy on the doubters. Which he says, we would snatch them right out of the fire. Here's Genesis 4.9. Then the Lord said to Cain... Where are you? Or sorry, where is Abel your brother? Knowing full well where Abel his brother was. He says in return to God, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Yeah. 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 Yeah, you are. Yeah, I am. Yeah, he was. Yes, yes, yes. Our keeping God calls his people to be keeping brothers and sisters. Yes. Forty Days of Community wasn't just an opportunity for us to lip sync to an old British movie with two twins. Although it was awesome, it's true. We need each other. We're responsible for each other. God wants to use each of us to keep the other. Where's your mission field? I mean, if you want, you can look around or you can just remember who's around you, whatever you want. Here's your mission field. Well, well, who's my brother? Who am I supposed to keep? Look around you. Can we, can we commit to a few things? A couple of things. 
Let's commit to a couple of changes in the way we think. Let's commit to the idea that we need to tread lightly with each other. Can we commit to that? Can I invite you to consider committing to that? Can I invite you to consider laying down your fear of being nosy with each other? That's not my business. That... They don't need me to speak into their life. And I don't want somebody else to speak into my life. So you don't want God to keep you? No, I want God to keep me. I just don't want somebody in my business. No. 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 Doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. Would it be loving if God left us in our sin? Could we call him loving then? Just another thing to consider. Lastly, hating sin for ourselves and for the body of Christ. Jude one twenty three: To others show mercy with fear hating even the garment stained by the flesh. See, we do, we do this one of two ways wrongly when we look at the sin of somebody else. And there's a great undertone of deception in this whole message, the danger of deception, and Christ's desire to keep us from that. It's... How are we looking at those who have been deceived? And what do we think our role in it? We talked about already keeping our brothers and sisters. But do we see just the sin on that person? Just the deception that they may not even see? Or do we see the person who's been led astray? Could be us next time. The other thing we do is we go on rushing after them where sometimes we can't chase their sin. It's not right for us to chase their sin. This became clear to me as I was passed by about 40 kilometers from what I was going an hour in an 80 zone and and my first reaction was I'm going to go chase them down. Well, what would have happened to me then? But to go after people who are in sin, to understand deception is powerful. To keep looking at who the person is and not only what they're doing. While not endangering ourselves in getting caught up in what they're doing. It's so important as we care for each other, as we are instruments of Christ's keeping power in our life. Let me close with this. Between you and the Lord, I invite you into a conversation. I invite you to to ask Him into the road map of your life. And any step along the way he wants to remind you of. I invite you not to exclude the days of your life where you were unredeemed, rebellious, and not following him. Don't exclude those things. I invite you to see the whole map. And then invite you to ask the Lord to show you. How did you keep me on track? Show me the roads I could have veered off on. Show me the roads I could have spun out on. How did you bring me to today? Because each one of you cannot say that God does not keep us because you're here. 
You, can't, you cannot avoid that truth. God has kept you to this place. And He's kept all of us through some pretty brutal pit stops. What has He kept us from? Sometimes in spite of ourselves. Look back at the roadmap of your life. It's glorious. It's so glorious. Philippians 1 6 says, I am sure of this, that he who begun a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And the best news of all, I probably should have started this verse, ended with this verse, and not said much in between. Jesus says to his everyone, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. It's not lip service. It's not wishful thinking. That's not brashness or boldness. That's who he is. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Your living, breathing picture of the grip strength of Jesus. Without Christ as your guide, you'll never survive, but to those who he keeps will forever with him thrive.